Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Well, Sunday was Easter. Amen. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to just tag off of, off of what pastor's message was on Sunday. And uh, we're, going to talk about, we're going to talk about living the resurrected life. Hallelujah. You know, John 14, 19 says, because I live, you shall also live. And you know, I, I love the scripture over in Galatians. If you'll go with me to Galatians 2, verse 20. Hallelujah. Maybe I love this verse, you know, for a lot of reasons, but, but one of them is not the least of which is Shekinah Glory just implanted it in my heart years ago because of the, the song they sing it just right here out of this scripture. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you know, I, I went back to my office because I had printed this out earlier. And the Amplified that says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the kind of life I live. In adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God. That's the life I live. Romans 6, go over there. Romans 6, hallelujah, starting in verse 9. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says, in verse, starting in verse 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Now, here's the kicker. Likewise, reckon yourself. Consider yourself. You also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Consider yourself just like him. Alive unto God and dead to sin. Hallelujah. And you know, it just, it just occurs to me that, that this resurrected life is a new life. I mean, if you can put one, one short little descriptive word on the life that we live, it's new. It's new. There's a new in us. Go with me. You're right here in Romans. And in the same chapter, let's go to verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If there's anything that should be said about us is that we're brand new. Everything about us is new. Our life is new. Our perspective is new. And I'm getting ahead of myself here because I found all kinds of news. Amen. Very first thing you have to understand, just like Pastor was talking about on Sunday, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Go with me. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. I know you know it. You could probably quote it by heart, but that's okay. Therefore, if any man 
be in Christ. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're a new creation, a new species of being, something that did not exist before. When you gave your heart to the Lord, it's brand new. You are unique in the fact that you have been made brand new. And he repeats that process with every single person who calls on Jesus as Lord. Isn't that amazing? He hasn't run out of the mold. I mean, we're all conformed to the image of him. That mold is big enough for all of us to fit inside. Hallelujah. We're a new kind of being. Well, let me go back. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go, let's go back to Acts 17, 28 before I go into that next one. Acts 17, 28. I say, I got all kinds of, all kinds of news here tonight. Goodness. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. It's all in him. In him. Oh, just, just to know that, that I don't have to just depend on myself and there's no other earthly person that I need to depend on. I can depend on the one that I live inside. It's in him we live, we move, we have our very being. Our total existence is wrapped up in him, glory to God. Because over in Second, First Peter 2, 9, it says, you are a chosen generation. I'm telling you what, you were chosen from before the foundation of the world. Is you not just happenstance? God didn't just say, well, you know, I'm going to look down there one day and I'm just going to see, I'm going to see old Zach over there. And, and, and I think, you know, you know, I'm going to consider everything, but I think maybe I'll choose him. No, he chose you before the foundation of the world. You have been chosen in him long ago, long time ago. It says in here, you have, this chosen generation is a race or body of people with a common life or descent. A common life, a common descent. You know, we changed families. We have a common descent. We all trace our heritage right back, just, just two steps. First there's Jesus, and then there's God the Father. Just, you know, that's it. That's it. He's our brother. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. But together, we're the children of God. Just that one step back there. It says, you're a royal priesthood. My, you know, in the Old Testament, there were kings, there was priests, there were prophets. I'm telling you, we've been made all of those things in the new creation. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I've got him here, written here, and I, this afternoon I thought, you better read this now because you might not be able to decipher it once you get up there because it's so tiny. It says, a multitude of people with the same heritage and the same nature. The same heritage, the same nature. A peculiar people, and some of you are peculiar, I have to admit. But really, it means a purchase, people. You've been bought. You have been bought. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But you know that thing that says that you are a peculiar, a purchased people? You know, over in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, you don't have to turn there. It says you have been bought with a price. 
One translation, the Knox translation says, you've been bought with a great price was paid to ransom you. A great price. A great, huge, massive, unimaginable price was paid for you. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 7 for 23, it says, you're bought with a price. Philip's translation says, you have been redeemed at a tremendous cost. You were a slave. You know what they did with slaves? They took them to market and they sold them. The devil has enslaved every last one of us. And Jesus went to market and he brought us out. And he paid, he paid a tremendous price for you because in his eyes, you are well worth it. You are beyond value, beyond measure, beyond anything that anybody could possibly understand what he was willing to pay for that. And so, and so we find ourselves as new creatures and very new beings. And in the middle of being those new beings, we have a new victory. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, 37, it says we've been made more than conquerors. More than conquerors. You ever heard that illustration about how, how Joe Frazier won the World Heavyweight Boxing Championship of the World and his wife got the check? He was the conqueror, but she was more than the conqueror. That's exactly right. Colossians 2.15 says, having spoiled, go over, in fact, let's just go to Colossians because you just need to read this again. These are times, you know, when we need to understand this and just go back and just, and just reinvigorate ourselves in these, in these truths. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Having spoiled, that is disarmed, brought to nothing, stripped, all principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He, ma he, made, a, he made a public spectacle out of them. He didn't do it in secret. He didn't do it in the dark. He made a show of them so that all mankind could see that these, these foes had been totally, once and for all, defeated. Not just a little bit defeated, not partially defeated, but totally defeated once and for all. He spoiled principalities and powers. And then you go to 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. And I'm telling you what, this victory that he brought out of the, of the tomb, that he brought out of the, the grave, after, what he brought out of hell, he reinforces that in us daily. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, and I'm on the wrong page. 2 verse 14, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. He is daily making a spectacle of the enemy and what he did to him in your life. Amen. Daily, he is reinforcing the fact that he is the victor and the enemy is not. Every single day, you are a walking, talking demonstration of the victory that he purchased, that he paid for, that he redeemed us with, and lets us show it to the world. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Just a page back. Hallelujah. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you ever go around saying, I just, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. I just don't know what I'm going to do. The devil's just winning. And I'm, what are you talking about? He daily 
leads us in victory. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Always. He wants you to be that personal representation of what he did. He wants you to be the stick in the devil's eye every day. The thorn under the saddle. He wants you to be his worst nightmare. Like Smith Wigglesworth used to say, devil, watch out. I'm awake. I'm up. I'm up. Watch out. Here I come. You know, we need to get up with that attitude of devil, ready or not, here I come. Most Christians are going around, oh, 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 here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. We give more credence to what the devil talks about and what he threatens than we do about what God has absolutely unequivocally said is ours. The devil operates in possibilities. That's where his thing is. And, well, this could happen. Well, this could happen. Well, this could happen. You know, in every area of our lives, he's doing something. That's, okay, you know, so... Your, your car's sounding funny. Oh, oh, what, what is it? Oh, what is it? Am I, I going to have to have a new engine? And I'm going to have to do this? And I'm going to have to do this? Where, where, where am I going to get the money? What am I going to do? That's the, that's the devil's realm. That's the devil's realm. Get out of his realm. You know, speak to that car. Tell it it's got to go. It's got to keep going. Get you to where you need to go. And then God will give you the wisdom to find out what it is. And if it needs something to be fixed, God will provide whatever it takes to fix it. Stop dealing with the devil's possibilities and start thinking about God's possibilities. His possibility says, I always cause you to triumph in Christ Jesus. That's his possibility. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's a definite thing. Hallelujah. And then he's given us a brand new family. I think I said that a few minutes ago. He's given us a brand new family. Romans 8, 29 says we are the first, that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. You the many. You part of the many. Amen. And it's in Romans 8, 16, it says we're children of God. Romans 8, 17 says we are children, heirs, and joint heirs. Hallelujah. If you go over to 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the whole body, that we're one body. We're one family. You know, you can't always choose your natural family. But you can choose your spiritual family. When you, when you chose Jesus, you chose a big family. You know, some people say, well, I come from a small family. No, no, not anymore. No, you got, you got, you got relatives everywhere. You, you got the family. It's just spread out everywhere. I mean, they're, they're here. You know, the Bible talks about, of the, talking about God, that he's the father of the whole family in heaven and in earth. We got family up there watching we got family up there cheering us on every single day. We got family who, who are up there who are the biggest cheerleading section that you could possibly have going. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Go for it. You got it. You got this. Do it. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. It's okay. You can do it. Do we ever stop and think that, you know, well, nobody's ever encourages me. There's people up there who are encouraging you all the time. You're just not listening. You don't hear the encouragement because you're not listening here. 
you're listening for some encouragement out here. And thank God we have brothers and sisters who will encourage us, you know, so that we can hear it naturally. But I'm telling you what, there are times when, when if there's nobody else around, if you'll just listen right here, there's encouragement going on. I'm telling you what. Everything that you need to just be encouraged, to be, to be strengthened, to be helped, you know, it's all right here on the inside of you. And there is a crowd of people up there knowing that you can do it. They're just saying, come on, you can do this. You can do it. You ever seen your kids, you know, when they, they say, I can't do this. And you go, yes, you can. Get it. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Come on. You can do it. You know, kids, you know, they fall down. When they're learning to walk, they're going to fall down. And then they're going to get up. And they're going to fall down. What would happen if a baby tried to walk one or two steps and fell down and said, well, I'm just, going, I'm just quitting. I just can't do this. Really? Come on. Come on. Get you got to give them something. That you Give them some encouragement. Listen, too many Christians are saying, I just can't do this because it didn't look like it worked the first time or the second time or the third time. But God is always saying, you know, you can do this. Just get up. Just get up. Just get up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. You can do it. And there's a whole crowd cheering you on every step of the way. It just, it just, if there is any disappointment in heaven, it has to be that we're not walking in everything that the resurrected life says that we have. That we're not taking advantage of everything that Jesus bought and paid for for us to enjoy. That we're wasting his effort. Do you want to live life wasting the effort that Jesus put into it? We shouldn't. Hallelujah. You know, in Ephesians 4.16, it says that we have the whole body fitly joined together. When will we get a revelation of the fact that we are a family and we're supposed to be fitly joined together? And God brings us into a local church and he places you in, into a church because there's a purpose for you being in a, in a specific place in a specific time. There's purpose in that. He's got something for you in that place. You know, when he talked to, was it Elijah? And he said, I want you to go over to the brook of, of whatever that was. And he said, I will feed you there. There are some people who aren't getting fed because they're not at their there. They haven't gone. They know where there is, but they don't want to go there. It's too much trouble. It's too much effort. It's too much work. I got other things to do. Oh, I like it better over there. The grass is always greener somewhere else. But it's usually because it's over the septic tank. It's what Irma Bombeck used to say. <laughs> Irma Bombeck was a real stitch. You know, but that's what she used to say. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, but that's where the septic tank is. But, you know, I'm not saying that about, you know, <laughs> that's just funny. You know, that's all. Uh, so don't get offended about me. But, but there are people who will not receive what God has for them because they're not where he's told them to go. The whole family fitly joined together. That means that they're in the right spot. They're in the right place. Can you imagine if your thumb was connected to your knee? Well, it would look really stupid, you know, but it wouldn't work very well. Your thumb is supposed to be connected to the rest of your hand, not your knee. Because that's where it works. That's where it functions best. That is where its designated function is. There are, there are people who stay home on Wednesday nights. There are people who stay home on Sunday nights. There are people who stay home on Sunday mornings. And if you see them every two or three weeks, well, you know, that's good enough for them. But that's not what God intended. He intended for us to be a part of, the, of this new family that he's put us into. 
There's a, there's a time of feeding and a time of supply and a time of answers and a time of encouragement and a time of anointing and a time of impartation that you'll only get when you come to service. I appreciate technology. I mean, I was, I was watching the, the prayer conference out in California today as, as I was in the office, you know, from last night. And I'm thinking, that's wonderful. I get to, I get to go over this service. I get to hear this service, you know, even though it's, you know, like the next day. Or, you know, if I had, had stayed up late last night, I could have watched it live. But there is no substitute for being physically present in the place where the anointing is at that moment. Many's the person who has lost and avoided and never received the answers that they needed because they didn't want to go there. You need to be there where the rest of your family is. And, you know, pastor talks about the local church, you know, he's the expert on the local church, and we know that there's a universal church out there, and that is all part of our family. But this right here is your family that you can live with, that you can walk with, that you can talk with, that you can, that you can have fellowship with. This is where you need to be. And, you know, and I, you know, I've said this before, you know, Wednesday night crowd, you're talking to the choir, but Satan fell out of the choir. Just saying, just saying that the people who seem to be in the right spot at the right time, just because they show up doesn't mean they're receiving. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're going to they're sit there and go, I'm going to take it all in. I'm, I've, I've come here tonight to get everything God's got for me. Instead, sometimes I have done this myself, sat here and just zoned out my mind somewhere else. I'll be real honest with you. There have been times when I've been thinking to myself, honey, close it down. Just close it. I'm ready to go. (laughs) This is what happens when you let me have the pulpit. (laughs) You can't tell me some of you haven't thought the same thing. Maybe in your mind you weren't saying, honey, let's close it down. But you were saying, pastor, let's close it down. Because we have a tendency to come in and not really understand, not have the reality in our hearts of why we're here and what we're here for. We say, well, we're just human. That is no excuse. That is no excuse. That means at some point we need to get past being human and start being God's people and start being the God creation that he made us to be the God creatures that he wants us to be, walking in the newness of life that he's put on the inside of us. Amen. So what else have we got? Uh, Oh, how about a new kind of love? Have you ever, 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 I don't think you have, ever in your life experienced or known of the kind of unconditional love that has been bestowed upon you by the Father God? Always say, you know, you know, you know, I'm a mom, and no matter what my child does, you know, I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. That doesn't even compare to the unconditional love of the Father God. Doesn't compare. You know, you, you hear of men or women who are on murderers' row, death row, in the, in the state penitentiary, and yet their mom still loves them. And you think that that's just so sweet. No matter what they've done, you know, a mother's heart still is that they love their child. That still doesn't compare 
to the love of God doesn't compare. We don't really understand how unconditional this new love is that we are experiencing as his child. We don't, we don't understand it. We don't see the, the ramifications of it. We don't see the impact of it in our lives. We don't understand how, how full and complete and whole that love is. You know, and it says over in uh, Romans 8. Are you close by? I think you are. Romans 8. Hallelujah. 38 and 39. For I am persuaded. You need to be persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come or height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh my goodness, if you begin to think God's unconditional love, it's not, there, there's, there's a message you know, that's within the grace movement right now that talks about the love of God and I appreciate grace and I appreciate all those things but I'm telling you what, the, to know that God's love is so unconditional for us that it didn't matter it didn't matter to God what state you were in when he found you. He wanted you. He wanted you. He didn't say, well, let, let them get themselves cleaned up a little bit, and then I'll take them. He didn't say, well, if they hadn't done this, you know, I, you know, I, might, I might, you know, take a chance on them. No, he loved us unconditionally. Didn't matter. Didn't matter our background. Didn't matter. Nothing about us mattered to him. He wanted us so badly. He wanted us so bad, and he wants you daily that badly. That he doesn't want you to let anything separate you from because the only thing that can separate you from him is you. Is you. And sometimes people will say, well, I, I, just, I just don't feel, you know, the presence of the Lord. I don't, I don't feel like God's anywhere nearby. You ever heard that story about the couple that was going down the road, you know, driving down the road, and they were an older couple. I won't say old. I don't say old much anymore. But, uh, you know, they're going down the road, and, and he's driving, and she's sitting on the passenger side, and, and they pass this car, come up to a red light, and they see this car here with this young couple over there, and they're snuggled up so tightly together. And... She said, oh, look at that. We used to be like that. And he looked at her and said, I never moved. <laughs> Listen, God never moves. If you don't feel as close to him as you once did, it's not because he doesn't love you, and it's not because he moved. It's because you moved. It's because you moved. It's because you stepped back. When we let things come into our lives that shouldn't be there, it makes us want to retreat from the presence of God. It's not that he doesn't love us. He does. He's, going, he's telling you, it's okay. We can fix it, you know? No problem. I love you. I love you. I love you. And yet we're the ones who will retreat from his presence because we don't feel like we're worthy. We don't feel like he'll love us enough, that he still loves. But it says here that nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. And actually, you, we're not ever separated. It's just sometimes we just, we distance ourselves. 
So I think I was better better way to say that. We distance ourselves from his love, but we do that, not him. How about power? There's a new power at work on the inside of us. Whoa! Ephesians 3.20. Glory to God, when you think there's power at work on the inside of us. Ephesians 3.20. Glory to God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. That word power is, is the Greek word dunamis. It was just like dynamite. There's like dynamite on the inside of you. There's power on the inside of you. In Colossians 1, 11, it says that we being strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Can you imagine? We're strengthened according to his power? Ooh, goodness. Romans 8, 11, uh, go over there. I'm going to run you all over the New Testament tonight. That's okay. Amen. Romans 8, 11. Hallelujah. Get a finger workout tonight. Turn the pages or flipping on your phone. Ah, listen to this. But if the same spirit, this, this is not really like an if, like, you know, maybe it's going to happen. It's kind of like, okay, look at here. This is what we're talking about. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if he dwells in you, does he dwell in you? Yes. Amen. If the same spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ also from the dead shall also quicken. I have written in here, impart power. Your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. There is power unlimited on the inside of you. Power that you have yet to fully tap into on the inside of you. Power that has no limits on the inside of you. Glory to God. Matthew 28 says, and Jesus said, all power, which is all authority, has been given unto me. Go you. I mean, tells you, basically saying, the power I have, now yours for you to go out and do what I told you to do. First Timothy 1.7, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of power. He's given us power, power on the inside. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then there's, real quick, ability, new ability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The words I can't should never be in your vocabulary because he says you can how about righteous? We have a new standing. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says we, that we have been made the righteousness of God in him. 1 Peter 2.24 says it we are dead to sin and we live unto righteousness. Romans 5.19 tells us that by the obedience of one, many may be made righteous. I'm part of that many. Glory to God. How about a new place? Ephesians 2.6. We've been raised up and made to sit. In heavenly places. That's a pretty new place. You know, most of us are down here on this lowly life, this down here living, just, just living. But he has raised us up, seated us in heavenly places. We're just made right next to him. Oh, my goodness, isn't that wonderful? How about new access? Romans 5, 2. We have access by faith into this grace. Ephesians 2. Let's just go there. Ephesians 2. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verses 14. For he is our peace, 
who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the hostility, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make it in himself of, one, of two, one new man so making peace that he might be reconciled both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off. Anybody been afar off? Been, I've been afar off into them that were not. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Ooh, we have access to the Father. Now, you know, you, you go to some big old concert or something, you know, and, and you get its priority pass and you have access to the backstage area. Listen, God has given us more than access to the backstage. He's given us access to the whole show. I mean, we are priority people. We, are, we, have, we have priority standing. When I get on an airplane, I love priority boarding. I want to get on there first. And God has given us priority boarding as far as he's concerned. Hallelujah. Um, Hebrews 4.16. Go with me over there. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly, therefore, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is incredible access that we have. Can you imagine in the Old Testament, the old saints of God, you know, back then who didn't have the life of God on the inside of them, they had access through this, through this holy of holies, and it had to, there was only one person who could go into that. And they would come once a year, and they would make sacrifices and have their sins atoned for. And, and they couldn't do anything about it without, without sacrificing the blood of an animal. They had to rely on this from day to day. They didn't have just any access anytime they wanted, but you and I have access every single second of the day. There's no time that's off limits. There's no time that, that God says, oh, not, not right now. Let me get back to you. You always have access. And here it says we can come boldly in there. Why? Because that's where we belong. Amen. That's exactly where we belong. It's right there in his presence, in this, in this place, this holy of holies. We're there. We're there. Hallelujah. Um, I told you I had a bunch of news. How about a new light? You're walking in a new light. I'm telling you what. You, when you go back and you look at the darkness that you were walking in, darkness, everything was dark. And now to know that you've been called out of darkness and into light. There's a new light shining, a new light to light your path, a new light to give you direction, a new light for you to follow that'll guide you every step of the way. There's new light for us. And the more we get into the Word, the more light we have. You know, we, we put some, the electricians were at the house in the last couple of days, and they've been putting up all these, these light fixtures and everything. And I walked out, came out there yesterday, I drove up, and I saw, there's lights on! Yay! That's the way believers are. There's a light on. Yay! Yay! And you know, on the, on the outside of the house, I put these little carriage lights on the garage, and it, it, could, it could stand a 100-watt bulb. But I said, until Pastor, I said, you know, you know, it's outside, you know, in the dark. You know, you don't need 100 watts on these three lights. I, I just put a 40 in there. 
Now, yeah, that's good enough, but I'm telling you what, in the things of God, a 40-watt light bulb is not enough. You need the brightest light you can get. And the way we get it is to get in the Word and find out what the Word says and start walking in it. You don't have the light until you start walking in it. A lot of people know a lot of things, but if they're not walking in it, there's no light on it. It's just, it's just not there. When the light bulb comes on, you will walk in what has been illuminated. You will walk in what you see. But until that light bulb comes on, you won't. There are people who can spend their whole lifetime with the Bible sitting on their desk and still not walk in the light that God has ordained that they walk into. And the nice thing about it is every day there's more. Every day there can be more light. Every day there can be just a, a more illuminated path for you to walk in. Every day it's new. Every single day that, that it's new. How about some new clothes? <laughs> Don't we all love new clothes? Go with me over to Ephesians 6.13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Listen, the clothes that we're talking about in this section of, of the word is kind of like Clark Kent going in to the telephone booth and coming out as Superman. This is what God intends for you to do. He wants you to come into the life of God just like you are with nothing but filthy rags and he wants you to come out once you've said yes to him armored and clothed in something brand new every single day. Hallelujah. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I know some of you ladies love shoes. Personally, I'd rather go barefoot all the time. But your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith. I'm telling you what, there's some new duds for us to, to, to live in. We can have on these every single day. And they don't get old. They don't get outdated. They're still fashionable as far as God's concerned. Hallelujah. And how about a new helper? John 14, 14. We got a brand new helper. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. You know, Mark was talking about, about wisdom. And I'm telling you what, that wisdom comes from above. And we can ask for wisdom. But I'm telling you what, the one who lives on the inside is the source of that wisdom. And he's the one who will lead us in, in everything that we need. The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom my Father will send you in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said unto you. That, that word comforter is, is the Greek word paraclete. It means the one called alongside to help. Well, what do you need? He's there to help, whatever you need. He'll be a helper, whatever you need. There's nothing he doesn't know. And so he's, he's already enabled to help you with whatever your problem is because he already knows the answer to all of it. My father was somebody we call, we'd call a jack of all trades. My dad seemed like he knew a little bit about everything. But I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost is the jack of all trades. He absolutely knows everything about everything. Not just a little bit about everything, but a whole lot about everything. Everything about everything. He's the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the comforter, the, the strengthener, and the standby. Glory to God. Everything that you have need of. How about a new perspective? You know, we, we find ourselves over in Galatians 5.22 looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, without this, 
you, you just don't understand that, that you can be a person who can walk. Your whole demeanor can be different. If you will understand that you can tap into the, the new nature, to the new accent, the new perspective that you'll get when, when the fruit of the Spirit is able to abound in you. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. It's gentleness. It's goodness. It's faith. It's meekness. It's temperance. All those things. Pastor was talking about on Sunday about this new person on the inside, you know, and this lady who came to him and told him that she hated her mother, and he told her what to do about that, and in a short time she came back and said, yes, I, I, love, my, I love my mother. You, you don't have to be in, in uh, dissension with anybody. You don't have to be in offense with anybody. The love of God is the fruit that's on the inside of you, all you have to do is tap into what's already there. And it'll change your outlook. It'll change your perspective. The joy of the Lord, change your perspective. You know, the people who always have the, you know, the pessimistic view of life, it's, everything is half empty instead of half full. When you start getting into here and finding out what the fruit of the Spirit can do for you, you'll see it as not just half full, but overflowing. Amen. Overflowing. That's what God wants you to see. He wants you to stop looking at everything in the negative and start seeing things exactly how he sees it. And that means that there's always an abundance of everything that you have need of. You know, but we can go on. How about uh, a new focus? Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Too often we look at the wrong things. We look at ourselves. We look at people. We look at problems. We just look at life. Stop looking at life until you look at Jesus. When you start looking the way he, look at him, and you take on the perspective that he's got, that he's able to put on the inside of you, then you start seeing life in a whole different way. But you have to look at him first. How about a new way of thinking? Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2 says, we We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. This mind didn't get born again. This mind, new, this mind here didn't get to be a new creation. We have to take the man on the inside and we have to make our minds become new. And you can do that. You renew that mind with the word every single day. Um, and how you do that? You find it over in Philippians. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, you can read all of those. Let think on these things. You can change the way you think. And let it be in line with what God has said. Hallelujah. I am I'm going to. How about this? How about you've become a new worshiper? How about that? We worship all kinds of things if we're not careful. But God wants us to worship him. Over in John, go back with me to John 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's something new for us. It's something new. It's part of walking in this light that he's brought us into. Because even believers can worship God but not worship in spirit and truth. 
It says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's seeking you as you're seeking him. You know, and we should get to a place where we worship him in all times, in all places, in all circumstances. When somebody comes in your room and tells you you've got stage four cancer, the answer to that is start worshiping God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's, there's life on the inside of me. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is my healer. I thank you, Father, for all that you've provided for me. I thank you that I'm the healed of the Lord. I thank you that there's another report that I can go to instead of a doctor's report. You, I tell you what, there's nothing you can't praise your way out of. Nothing you can't praise your way out of. And that's where we need to find ourselves, in a new place of worship every single day. Instead of immediately going to the, you know, just put your hands up. Sometimes maybe you're in a a place you can't put your hands up, but that's okay. In your heart, you can just start saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're so good to me, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you've redeemed my life from destruction. I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on. That's who God's looking for. He's looking for us every single day. Hallelujah. So I'm going to end it with this. I'm going to go back to Galatians 2, verse 20 in the Amplified. I'm going to read 2.20 and 2.21. I've been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith. By adherence to, you're not going to need to do this when you get to heaven, but you need to do this here. I live by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Therefore, listen to this, therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, the unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ the Messiah died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. When we live the resurrected life, if we're going to live it, we need to live it on purpose. We need to live it with purpose. We need to live it so that we demonstrate that what he did for us was not in vain. For us to do anything than to live the resurrected kind of life that he provided for us is to say that he wasted his time on us. Did he waste his time on you? then we need to start looking into the Word and finding out what the resurrected life looks like and living it. Living it. Living it to the full. Not haphazardly, not partially, not maybe today but tomorrow something else, but all the time living it because it matters. Living it because he paid for it. Living it because he provided it for us. Living it because we should be enjoying everything he gave us when he made us like him. That's how we need to live. We need to live the resurrected life.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.